Hello. Thank you for listening to the sermon from our Revive service. Good we hope morning. it helps you learn more about God and allows it's you to grow to closer to Him and in your faith. I couldn't help but, uh, as we were singing that last song, to think about all of us and what we believe and to be able to sing our praises to God and then to come together as a family and, and to do that together. It's so sweet. It's when, when you're away from that, at least for me, when I'm away from that, I miss that. And I miss you. I miss seeing your faces and I miss being together. Um, it's, it's good for me to have a break from preaching. Um, I do miss that. So being two weeks away now, we have a good 45, 50 minute sermon coming. I hope you know that. Um, I'm just teasing really. Hopefully it shouldn't be that long. Um, but if you have your Bibles and you would open them to the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 2, we're going to dig in this morning to um, the last part of the first section. So Jonah is kind of divided into two different sections, and they mirror one another. And so chapter 1 and chapter 2 are the first section, and then chapter 3 and chapter 4 are the second section. And so next Sunday, I'm going to show you how they mirror, another, mirror one another in that sense. And so, um, but today we want to look at the end of that first section, looking at Jonah's prayer. And so we'll read it here in just a moment. And uh, I'll be reading from the ESV. It'll be up on the screen. And then after that, then I'll have a, a word of prayer with you, asking God to um, just work in our hearts, and then we'll look through it uh, verse by verse, step by step, just looking and asking God to reveal uh, this prayer and, and what it is um, to us and how it can change our hearts and our lives as well. So let's read that if you're there. Jonah chapter 2, we'll read verses 1 through 10, the whole chapter. As I said, it should be up on the screen. It is up on the screen um, behind me so you can follow along. Jonah 2, verse 1. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me, and all your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life, and the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Would you pray with me? Lord, we're thankful for this morning. Thank you that we have the great privilege of gathering together in this place. You've provided a wonderful facility for us, but even more so, You've given us great people that we can worship together, the one and true living God, you, Lord. And so we are thankful that we can come, and we pray now, Lord, that you would work in us. We need your spirit to show up 
in a real, real way, in a real place today, in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. We need you to do your work in us. We need refining. We need you to take the, the, the dirt, the sin, our selfishness, our pride, our arrogance, our self-doubt. We need, you to, we, we need you to strip that away, Lord. And we need to see you, the perfect, true, holy God. Help us to catch a glimpse of you. Help us to hear from you today. Help us to know how much you love us. Thank you for what Jesus has done for us. When he died upon the cross and when he conquered sin and death when he rose from the dead and thus giving us life. So we thank you for this time and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So when you read this uh, section, um, maybe you've read it before, maybe this is the first time you've read it, but as you heard it and read it, you're either in two groups or maybe you're in a third. Um, usually, I've always read it before I started studying it. I, I always read it and kind of like, oh, look, Jonah's repenting, right? He's kind of like, okay, I'm sorry, I fled and I'm sorry. And he, and he shares this prayer that consists of a lot of psalms. So he'll take pieces and parts from a lot of the psalms. There's probably about five or six that, that different scholars have come up with. Psalm 3, verse 8. Psalm 31, 6, and verse 22. Psalm 42, 7. Psalm 69, 1. Psalm 88, 6, and 7. Psalm 118, 5. And Psalm 120, verse 1. And when you look at that and you're like, oh, this is great. You know, Jonah knows the Psalms and he's, he's, he's bringing parts of this that he's, he's responding to running away from God with the Bible. So that's one perspective. The other perspective comes and says, is Jonah really repentive? Because here we, we have a different perspective, right? We, as we read through this story, we don't stop at chapter 2. We know what happens in chapter 3, and we know what happens in chapter 4. And so with that, we kind of look at it maybe with a little bit of skepticism. And rightfully so, I think it's good for us to look at this, uh, look at this, this prayer, look at this song that, that Jonah has sung, is singing, the poetry of it, and, and try to dig into it a little bit deeper. And so as we look through this, um, I want us to do that. And I'm not telling you which group that you need to be in. I kind of probably sit in a little bit in the middle. And you can say, there's Pastor Aaron again, riding the fence. I just, for me, it's this. Do you know a man's heart? Do you know his motive? Uh, we don't know anybody's motive. We don't know their heart. And so I want to be careful that I'm not, Either A, jumping on and saying, yeah, look at Jonah. He was so repentive. I don't know what his heart was. Because over here, chapter 3 and chapter 4 tell me that he's still holding on to a few things. And so it leads me to believe that maybe Jonah wasn't quite as repentive as maybe we initially, when you look at this prayer, that, that leads us to believe. So when we dig in here, 
First, we see that, that Jonah prayed, which is ironic when you look at the whole first chapter because Jonah had opportunity to pray, but the scriptures don't record for us that Jonah ever prayed, right? Remember Jonah? He's been asked to go to Nineveh. God spoke to him. And from that point on, Jonah has no conversation with God in the text, all right? Even as the sailors and the captain asked for him to pray, we see no record of Jonah actually praying. It wasn't until Jonah was in the belly of the fish that he begins to pray. I don't know about you, but sometimes my heart's that hardened too. And, and if I can be honest, as I've been reading through this, this has been... This has been a, a Jonah revelation for me in my own heart. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, I was working on a project at our house, and, uh, and as you want to do when you're on vacation, you want to get that stuff done. And Before I knew it, I had paint all over my hands. It was all over the ground. It was just a mess. And two of my kids were there. Maybe all three of them were there. Um, and I just say, this always happens to me. Why does this always happen to me? Nothing ever goes right. And as soon as I said it, I'm like, oh, I'm such a Jonah. Because it was that, that as we study the text, as we study God's word, it becomes alive and active in our lives, right? And so as we read through this, I'm not, I'm not preaching to you as one who is perfect and right. I, I'm saying... God's using this in my life too, and I hope he uses it in yours. But we see Jonah praying to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. And, and, and really what I've titled today is that the grace of God is found in the depths. The grace of God is found in the depths because ultimately that's where it, grace really resonates and it becomes valuable to us. I think a lot of people sing amazing grace today and they don't understand the amazingness of grace. We just sing it. Um, J.I. Packer, in, in a book that I would highly recommend if you've never read it, he, he wrote a great book that I had to read in college called Knowing God. And J.I. Packer uh, shares different, uh, uh, several different reasons about uh, how and why we take grace uh, for granted, but also, too, why we minimize it. And, and, and it fits in with, with where we're at here. And I just want to share three of those. And the first is this, that, that we lose sight. One of the reasons why we take grace for granted is we lose sight of how morally ill we are, meaning that you and I, the scriptures tell us that we are guilty sinners, we're guilty sinners, um, which is not something that people want to hear today. And our world, our world doesn't want to hear that. So how do, we, how do we combat that? The world combats and says, oh, is it fair that we're victims? Or that's very oppressive, pastor, that you would call me a guilty sinner. That may even be evil or that's dangerous for you to say. That's an insult to me, Right? You're causing me to have great shame, pastor, when you call me a guilty sinner. Isn't it just a lack of self-esteem? Well, the Bible tells us that we are all sinners, every single one of us. There's not one better than the other, but that each of us as human beings 
fall short of the perfection of our God. We miss the mark, every one of us. The second thing that J.I. Packer says is not only that we are morally ill, uh, we have a morally ill desert, but number two, we're spiritually impotent, meaning this, we can't fix ourselves. Um, There are none who seek after God. You say, well, that's not true because I seek after God. No, the Bible tells us that there are none who seek after God. It is God seeking you and me. Some of you will say, oh, this sounds like Calvinism. I'm not here to tell you about Calvinism or Arminianism. I'm here to preach to you the Bible. All right? And so when we're looking at this, the Bible tells us that we can't fix ourselves. We're spiritually deprived, we cannot be perfect, and we can't do anything about it. That's what's amazing about grace. Because it requires God's grace. There's an old hymn, um, it's called Rock of Ages. And the second verse, um, Augustus' top lady wrote, speaks to this, that we can't fix ourselves. He says this, Not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save, and thou alone. Only God can save us. And yet this is something that uh, for us, as we um, think about, we, we, don't, we don't like to think of that. Which leads into the third that I want to share with you, and that's the remembrance of the cost of salvation. The cost of salvation, that we are saved only through extreme and costly measure. You, you got to understand, we must understand that we are saved From a God who gave his only son, and his son came and was born, he came to us, God came to us, and that Jesus died for us. That cost, it was extreme. And all the other religions of the world, is there a God who would sacrifice himself to bring people to him? There is none. There's one true living God and he loves us so much that he was willing to pay the price that we each deserved. Costly extreme. When you get to the heart of the matter, we like to view salvation as something that we have to maybe go half and half with God. Okay, I have to do my part and God did his part. No, that's not true grace. That's not real salvation. The fact of the matter is that God saves me and there is no part of you and me that saves us. And so when we look at grace and when we see what, what the grace and mercy of God in this story of Jonah, uh, we, we cannot forget that A, we are guilty sinners, B, we cannot fix ourselves, and C, it took extreme and costly measures to save us. Here, in this story, God provides, through his grace and mercy, a fish. 
ultimately what Jonah deserves is death. That's why when he, I believe, when he's asking uh, the men to throw him off the, off the boat, he, he's going to die. What's part of it, when you look at it, Jonah is so selfish that instead of him just jumping off, he's asking other people to throw him in. Jonah is so focused about himself, and that's where I think when we look at the text a little bit deeper, we see that Jonah has missed the significance of God's grace. And when we sin, and when we continue to live in a pattern of sin in our lives, we neglect the mercy and the grace of God. So let's dig in. That's our underlying statement as we walk in. So Jonah's praying. He cries out to the Lord. It says, I called out to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. Psalm 120, verse 1. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Jonah knows that God hears him. What's interesting is, again, when you look at these, um, this prayer, uh, that the focus of Jonah, he has a lot of eyes and me and my. Whereas when we see the, the, the prayer of repentance of David in Psalm 51, David's focus is on God. And so as we walk through this, the next couple of verses are key. So we see this, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. Now, let me ask you a question when you read the scriptures. For you cast me into the deep. Who's Jonah talking to? He's talking to God. Now, let me ask you, did, did God throw him into the deep? So is he starting to play the blame game here? Do you ever play the blame game? Hmm? But God, you did this. Why did you do this? It, it puts a question there, and you may want to put that next to that verse. Who did this? And ask yourself. And then he goes on in verse 3. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Like, okay, here I am, and it's supposed to be smooth, and God, you did all this bad stuff, your waves, and the things are going over top of me. And so there's blame. Verse 4, then I said, I am driven away from your sight. Wait a minute. Who, who drove Jonah away from God? Go back to chapter 1. In verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, wait a minute. Is it God leaving Jonah or Jonah trying to leave God? You see how we start to dig a little bit deeper and you start questioning and saying, wait a minute, this sounds good, but where's Jonah's heart? And it makes us to question and to start looking reflectively at our own prayers and our own call to repentance. So here in verse 4, at the end, it says, Yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. He's going to use that phrase, holy temple, twice. He uses it here in verse 4, and then he'll use it in verse 7. I believe this is a, 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 a phrase, a term used as looking at the sacrifice that's made. Okay, so he understands that there's been a sacrifice made the the, the blood sacrifice at the temple. 
And so he's, going, he's referencing going back and worshiping God and the opportunity to do that even if he's dead, okay? At this point, Jonas probably writes this later, but at this point in the text, he's going down and we see even all along, the writer tells us and gives us some clues as we see throughout chapter one and even here in the beginning part of chapter two, the reference is going down, 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 down. And so um, just as he went, he went down to Joppa, he paid the fare and he went down into the ship, but Jonah had gone down, verse, uh, verse number five, gone down into the inner part of the ship and he laid down and he was fast asleep. That word fast meaning deep, meaning that deeper bottom part. And then here we are in verse 5, where the waters closed in over me to take my life, and the deep, the down surrounded me. The weeds were wrapped around my head and the roots at the root of the mountains. I went down, verse 6, into the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. So here, here's the first time that we start to see a change of direction. From everything going down to now, here's a change, a reverse of action. And notice, uh, Jonah does say it, it says, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. And this is where I wrestle with, okay, we can see where Jonah didn't quite get it yet, but at the same time, he's starting to get bits and pieces of it. And so when we repent, do you understand and know that it's the work of God that can bring us up? That's why in scriptures it says, if you humble yourself to fall before God, he will lift you up. But we must understand that that down action causes us to move away from God and what he intends. But it's only God and by his grace that our situation can change. Let's continue. It says in verse 7, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Jonah realizes he knows where God, meet, where God is. And yet this is the prophet of God. This isn't just some man on the street. This is somebody who, who's been hearing from God. He's God's spokesman to the people of Israel. And God asks him to not only speak to the people of Israel, but to go to this city the Ninevites, and to go share with them a message. He knows where God is, and he knows where he, where he can meet with God, and yet God has come to meet and talk with him. And yet here is a realization that he remembered. He needed to remember. We're going to talk a little bit about that in, in a bit. But let's keep moving. Verse 8, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I avowed I will pay. I remember watching on Sesame Street. There was one part of Sesame Street that they would put up like um, six, it was like blocks, three by three. And they would have like a bunch of the same things except for one. And so it was like all cars except for like a banana. And they would sing this song, which of these things are not quite like the other. There's, what's that? 
One of these things just doesn't belong. We're th- from the same era, okay? So as we watched that, as a kid, you could see it stands out. It's like, this doesn't belong. When you're looking at this prayer, there's one verse, there's one thing that it's like, why, why is that in here? And, and it's this verse of verse 8 where Jonah is all about himself, but then all of a sudden he's going he's gonna to bring attention and focus upon the pagans. And up until this point, what have the, the Gentile pagans done? They've done everything that Jonah should be doing. The roles have been reversed. Jonah should be calling and praying out to God. Jonah should be the one seeking God's face and making vows and committing to walk obediently. But it's the pagan sailors. And so here's Jonah talking about the pagans in verse 8 and says, those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope and steadfast love. Is he comparing himself to the pagans? It's like he has to throw in that one, well, I'm not that bad. See these people? But I'm sure you guys never do that in your life, right? When we repent and when we ask God to forgive us and when we, when we do some heart reflection and we're like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm just so glad I'm not like them. In a way, in a sense, we see that this gives us a picture. Jonah's heart for other people has not yet changed. He, he has not viewed them with the love that God has. And so his response is similar to what the pagan sailors did because we see this in verse 9. But I will, I will respond. I'm, I'm going to talk to you, Lord, with the voice of thanksgiving because you saved me. And so what I'm going to do is I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Now, if you look, it's the same thing that we see in verse 16 that the sailors did. Because the sailors, then, they, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they made vows. Jonah says, I'm going to do that. After just saying, hey, the pagans aren't worthy. These people have vain idols. They don't really love you, God, but I love you. And what I have vowed, these sacrifices, I'm going to keep my word. I think Jonah is making a reference because of who he is and because of his background. I think he's making a reference to go back to Jerusalem and to offer sacrifices. The pagans offered sacrifices to God right there. They didn't travel to Jerusalem. I think Jonah says, listen, I'll go to, I'll, I'll go, I'll go to Jerusalem and I'll offer sacrifices. I'll make my life right. Because that's why in the next chapter, God comes again and gives Jonah the message. He gives him direction and says, no, I don't want you going to Jerusalem. You, you don't need to go to Jerusalem. You need to come here. This is where I'm telling you. These people need to hear. They need to hear from me which we'll get into chapter three next week, but it gives us a picture if we dig a little bit deeper. And then, and then he says this great phrase, which is, it's a wonderful phrase. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And again, I don't know the motive of Jonah's heart at this point. 
But there are times in my life when I know, okay, my head says salvation comes from the Lord. I know that. Jonah knows that. He realizes that as he's been in the belly of this great fish for three days and three nights, as, he, as you think about what that looked like, as you think about what he smelt like, I, I don't know. I just know that it's life-changing. And I think that there are parts of Jonah that he, he, he is trying to look at God and what God has done for him. And so he, he says salvation it comes, it belongs to the Lord. And so God saves him in the deeps, in the depths of those seas. He provides a fish that saves him. But God is not done working in Jonah. And I will tell you that I'm so glad that God's not work, done working in me. And he's not done working in you. Verse 10, the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. God has all resources at his hand. And he'll use whatever it takes for his plan to be complete. Some people look at that and say, oh, well, we're just pawns. God's just playing us. Uh, that's not how we read scripture. That's not how God works with us as his children. But don't you minimize for a second who God is and what he can do. Because God can speak to a great fish and have it vomit up a person because he's God. God can bring a great storm upon one area of the sea to show his power. God can allow things to happen in your life because he's God. Don't minimize that. Ultimately, to sum up, I, I think that we see that Jonah's prayer has undertones of hypocrisy, of self-centeredness, of self-righteousness, and heartlessness. Jonah still has some masks on. There's some issues of his heart that yet have not been dealt with. And so when we look at this in our lives, I want to ask you a couple questions here. What masks are you wearing when it comes to repentance? What masks are you wearing? Maybe it's avoidance. You don't want to deal with your sin. Maybe it's, you, you know, it's not that bad. You try to minimize it. So you avoid it. Maybe you're comparing. You're comparing yourself with others as Jonah was. Hey, the pagans... They're, they're vain idols. At least I worship the true God because I know salvation comes from him. So maybe you're comparing yourself in dealing with repentance. Maybe you're diminishing your sin. It's amazing to me how many people will try to categorize sin today. Do you understand what God says about sin? That he hates it? God hates sin and we're not in, in, in a, we're not in a place where we have the right 
to try to categorize sin. Yes, there are different consequences to our sin. There's no doubt. In the world that we live in today, with the laws and the judges that God has put into place, there are different consequences to our sin. But to the God of creation who has created the heavens and the earth, and he put man and woman upon the earth, he has said, this is sin. And if he calls it sin, it is sin. And so whether we lie or steal or cheat or say something under our breath or in our heart, or whether we commit murder or if we want to classify bad sins, we can't do that. So don't diminish your sin. Maybe, maybe one of the masks that you're wearing when it comes to repentance is you have a fear of getting caught. I wonder what Jonah, was, was he motivated because, because he got caught? Or was he truly repentant? Maybe one of your masks that you're wearing is busyness. I'm just going to stay busy so I don't have to deal with it. You keep running. It will catch up to you. Just know that God loves you enough that he's not going to let you keep running too far. What about fun and enjoyment? I'm, I'm just going to enjoy life. I don't, I don't need to deal. God, I'm sorry for my sins. Sorry for what I did. I'm going to just enjoy life. Isn't that what, what uh, Solomon says? Eat, drink, and be merry. Yes, Solomon says that, but it's critical and important that we rightly deal with our sin. So I ask you, which, what mask are you wearing? And then I want to ask you, what is your motivation to change? Are you sorry because you got caught or that you might get caught? Or are you sorry because the God of creation knows and sees you and he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to continue and you see your sin as what it is and act against God. What's cool here is God meets Jonah where he is in the belly of a fish. I want you to know that God meets us right where we are and that's an act of his mercy and his grace. He doesn't expect us to get our lives back together and to clean it up before he comes and meets with us. He meets us right where we're at. Don't compare or lessen your sin. Don't say I'm not as bad as, or at least I didn't do that, or I'd never do that. Don't have judgment and hypocrisy towards others. I believe when we deal with sin, we need to look at ourselves and not others. And so I ask you, have you replaced genuine repentance with the promise of future obedience? Well, God, I'll do better next time. I prayed that prayer before. God, God I'll do better next time. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. Maybe you despair about your sin. Maybe you're on the other side. Maybe you don't minimize it, but maybe you despair over it. And that's no place to be either. What we need to do is this. I think it sums up in this. 
and I don't want to simplify it too much, but I think it's as simple as this. When God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, he had a close relationship with them. I believe that salvation has come to us so that we can have a close relationship with our creator. I don't believe our lives should be about what we do and what we don't do. It's not about keeping a list of rules. Christianity is not about doing right and not doing wrong. Some of you are like, whoa, I don't know. This is shaky ground. Here's what Christianity is all about. Walking with my God. That's what it's about. It's about walking with my God and knowing his heart. Knowing what he desires for me and knowing that it's for my ultimate best. And so when I sin and do wrong against him, it isn't a bunch of things that I have to do to make that right. It's coming and acknowledging to him and saying, I did wrong against you, God. And I need you to forgive me. And to be able to walk away and say, thank you. Thank you for forgiving me. And knowing that there is no other strings attached. Jesus, when he died, didn't say, well, you need to trust me and then you need to make sure that you follow my rules. No, the law is our tutor. It's what brings us to the cross. It's what shows us that we need a savior. The law shows us that we can't do it. We can't do anything to save ourselves. And so as I walk, as we walk with Jesus, as we walk with our God, he reveals himself to us. He works through his spirit that lives inside of me and he works through his word and he works through his people. Two weeks ago, I was out working on some things out in the yard And I became very convicted. Because as a pastor, you uh, study the word a lot and um, you learn it and you start to know it and, and get it. There's always new things that you learn and little nuggets that you, that you grasp hold of. But I was convicted of this. Because it was God telling me, he's like, Aaron, hey, I I'm here. Aaron, when, when, when are you going to talk to me again? When are you going to talk to me more than just in the morning? When are you going to talk to me more than just at your meals or before you go to bed? And I, I want to tell you in a very real way, uh, this message today is for me because I think God wants me to talk and walk with him every part of the day and I'm still trying to figure that out and learn what that looks like. I don't have it figured out. But I want to encourage you as you walk with Jesus, if Jesus is the one that you claim to save you from your sin, 
If you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried and rose again three days later, it's more than just getting up and doing your Bible study. It's more than just keeping your life on the straight and narrow. I think it's more than that. And I'm starting to find it's getting richer and richer and yet it's harder and harder because I go through periods of my day and I'm like, Lord, I'm so sorry I haven't talked to you. I haven't talked to you in the last two hours. And yet to know that God's grace and his mercy is so rich. He's not there beating me up. He just loves me. I hope you're encouraged this morning and I hope that you'll rightly deal with your sin. If you have sin in your life, I want you to deal with it the way God desires and that means to confess it, to bring it before him, call it by its name. Don't diminish it. Don't compare yourself to other people. It's between you and God. And ask him to forgive you. And then take hold of the truth of scripture that tells us that when we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. So seek him. And the word says, he may be found.